Here we go. Blog Talk Radio. Hey. Welcome to the Koi Pond and Water Garden Podcast. A podcast for the aquatically obsessed. With your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In pursuit of all things aquatic. Bringing you Koi Pond and Water Garden advice. Straight from the field. The show starts now. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast. This is episode 67. I'm your host, Mike Gannon, and I hope all of you aquatically obsessed people are doing well. I bet you're all getting excited for pond season 2020. I definitely am. Springtime is just around the corner, and it's that time of year. We can all get back outdoors, get back to enjoying our ponds and the outdoor lifestyle that the warmer weather is going to bring our way any moment. In this episode, um, we're going to need to talk about some of the things that we should do to have a successful pond season to kind of start things off right. There's a few things that you can do to get ready and getting our fish ready for springtime is among those things. You know, as pond keepers, we can really make a difference in how well our fish will do from year to year. There are always considerations to make for the different times of year, especially for pond keepers in areas with big seasonal changes, uh, like the area of the country that I'm from. We're here in the Northeast. We get crazy, you know, seasonal changes and big swings in weather. And in this episode, we're going to focus specifically on springtime care for our koi and goldfish. For many fish, it's a time of year that can be difficult. For pond keepers, it can be difficult. So we can make it better for our fish friends and our human friends. There's a lot to cover. And I want to have some professional help, some expert advice on my side for this episode. So I'm bringing back onto the show my friend and fellow pond professional, also from the great state of New Jersey, Mr. Chris Tallarico. Chris is owner of New Jersey Pond Guys, based out of Jackson, New Jersey, and he's a respected pond professional in the koi pond water garden industry. I think just about everyone knows Chris Tallarico, or they should. His company, New Jersey Pond Guys, are certified aquascape contractors, and they're recognized as the 2018 Aquascape Contractor of the Year. Chris is definitely one of the go-to guys for professionals and hobbyists who need expert advice. Yep, he's one of those guys that the pros turn to. So I got him here for us to cover some expert advice. Hey, Chris, thanks for being here. Mike, great to be back. So happy you're here. You know, it was, uh, I think you were on the third episode so way back in the very kind of kickoff of the, of the whole um, podcast, we're now we're episode 67. Where have you been for 64 episodes? I know, right? I, you know, it's actually, I was wondering to myself uh, when you when you had said uh, what episode number this was, how far back it was that uh, we actually did our, our our first time around. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while. I'm so glad you're back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah time flies. <laughs> oh my god. Time really does fly. I mean, do you remember when, when we first met? I, my, I remember meeting you 
I think we actually even met prior to that, but I definitely remember we went to an event at Tom Smith's house of Garden State Koi, and we were building all sorts of features. Ed Ballou was there. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That's the one with the pondless in the driveway. I think we were working on that one together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yep. That was, that was yep. quite I the experience. I actually remember that. What was that, like 20 years ago? Jesus. Something yeah, like that. At this point, probably. Yeah, it's been a long time, Mike. It's amazing how long God. I've actually been in this business when I think about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. This year for <laughs> me is 25 years. In this March, actually, March 25th is 25 years that uh, I, I started full service aquatics. But anyway, um, you know, I'm glad you came on because I think this is a really timely topic. We're heading into spring 2020. Uh, we're going to talk about springtime fish care. Um, spring is going to be here any moment. And it's a time of year when everybody's getting back out to their ponds. They're starting to like engage with their fish again and fish come out of their winter slumber, which it's important. There's a few things that pond keepers should be doing. Um, as we get into this topic, I think it's safe to say that this information can be applied to both koi and goldfish. Do you, do you think that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Both, both, uh, both fish are in the same family. Uh, so they're both cipronate. Um, goldfish, I think, in my opinion, can take a little bit more of a beating, but generally because they're smaller, um, where large fish tend to struggle in some of these situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love them both equally. I, I get a I get a kick out of all of them. But um, so let's let's set sure. the stage. You know, early spring, pond is starting to stir. Things are starting to you know wake up. Fish are slowly gliding around the pond. Plants are starting to bloom a little bit. Um, I've heard that this is time of year is often referred to Aramonis Alley. Um, and it's a tough time. Can you kind of yes give us a breakdown on on what Aramonis sure. Alley is? Yeah, Aramonis Alley is. Um... It's quite interesting because um, I, I recently, even with all the years of experience I've had, the, the phrase was coined to me um, more recently than not. Um, but it's it's pretty pretty simple. So Aramonis is a bacteria that can cause fin rot, ulcers, and some other infections of, of koi and goldfish. Um, generally, what happens is um, your your fish are coming out of a, their winter slumber, so your water temperatures are somewhat low, you know, maybe mid-40s, uh, somewhere in that range. Um, the problem with Aramonis and Pseudomonas is that those bacteria function well at those temperatures. Um, where your fish, where your koi or your goldfish, um, their bodies aren't quite, uh, you know, there yet, you know, coming out of winter. So their immune system is suppressed. So they're quite mm -hmm. more they're they're quite a bit more vulnerable at that stage of the game, you know, especially before you start feeding. Right. So yeah, so usually what I what I usually hope for is that we don't see it at all, uh, but there is some things you need to look for. Um, but uh, once you get into once you get into feeding range, um, the chance of success is a lot higher, in my opinion. Uh, and I think okay. generally because you're just getting that digestive system running again and things start working in the fish again that weren't, weren't happening over the winter months. Yeah. So prior to that, they haven't been feeding, they're not getting nutrition, they're burning off their, their body fat. So it's, it, they're, as you had mentioned, just super vulnerable. Um, now, sure. if a fish, 
is suffering from Aramonis is any, is there anything people should be looking for to kind of give them some indicators that, that potentially Aramonis is causing an issue? Cause it's not always oh obvious. Uh, no, and, it, and you know what, the, the first thing is usually I'm, I'm looking for, you know, I, I have my ponds right outside my bedroom window in my house. I have a, I have a 5,000 gallon aquascape pond with a wetland filter outside of my, outside of my window, basically. So I'm looking at my fish all year, but some people don't. Um, yeah. so generally, you know, when that ice falls out and you can get a good look at your fish, uh, one of the first things I'm looking for is like, you know, stuff, the, the symptoms of parasites, because usually what happens is parasites will open the fish up to infection. So it actually, you know, a lot of the parasites, there's nine parasites in koi, seven of them are microscopic. So you won't even see those parasites 90% of the time, I would say. Right. Uh, so what happens is you, you, the fish will exhibit some symptoms because of those parasites alone. Um, but if, if, if you don't, if you don't catch it before then, um, what happens is those parasites will open that fish up to bacterial infections like pheromones and pseudomones. Okay. Let's, so th- this is good. Let, let's talk about, you know, as long as we talk about what we're going to look for, um, let it probably be a good idea to do a visual inspection of your fish early on in the season. What, if you, what, how would you suggest people go about doing a visual inspection, what would they be looking for? Uh, well, the, the first thing I would look for is behavior. So um, if you have like those parasite, parasite issues uh, in the very early stages, uh, one, of the, one of the first things you'll usually see, because the fish are kind of, kind, of, kind of sluggish, so they're not necessarily jumping out of the water, but uh, right. you, you might see some, some flashing behavior or some scratching on the bottom. That would probably okay. be one of the first things I look for, um, you know, rubbing up yeah. against rocks. You know, they're trying to shake off something that's, you know, that's making them itch more or less. Yeah. Um, the next step after that, uh, once, you know, if there, if there is bacteria in play at that point, um, I would say the first things to look for is, is uh, fin rot, you know, um, you know, where you see the fin tissue actually starting to, de- to degrade somewhat. Uh, reddening right. of the fins would be another big indicator. Um, ulcers, obviously, you know, once you see a sore or an ulcer in your fish, you can almost guarantee that that's a bacterial infection right there on the spot. So yeah. you, you want to see good behavior, um, and you don't want to see any, you know, sores or damaged fin tissue. Okay. Yeah, I always like to see if I can get a good look at their eyes, too. To me, the eyes are a great indicator. You know, they should be nice Absolutely. and bright and clear. And if they look waxy or hazy, uh, there's, there's a chance that there, you know, could be some associated conditions with that. And let's let's Absolutely. say you're you're looking at a fish and it does look sick. Uh, what should people do? Well, I think some of the things are temperature dependent, but um, as of lately, um, unfortunately, we've uh, lost the ability to. Um, obtain uh, medicated fish food as a consumer on a consumer level and even on a contractor level. So that uh, because of some of the rules that the um, the the, <clears throat> the government has put out, uh, we're no longer a- able to make uh, you know obtain those items. So uh, we've had to kind of shift our gears around a little bit and, and look toward alternate treatments. 
most right. of them are anti-parasitic, which is what we're really trying to get rid of in the first place. So we're not subjecting these fish to these bacteria. Right. Um, one of the things I would I would look toward is malachite green formalin. It's a very okay. very stable med- um, topical treatment that you would you would actually put in the pond as a liquid. Um, okay. It doesn't really beat up your biofilter too badly, especially in the early stages, because your biofilter hasn't really hasn't really gotten its feet under itself yet, especially in cooler right. water, you know, below fifty five degrees. I would say. Okay. Cool. If some, if uh, let's say, I mean, uh, let's face it, all our fish are special, right? But um, if somebody's really concerned, um, they could call somebody to maybe even come out and do a scrape and and really try to see what's going on with the fish. Oh, absolutely. That's the service that uh, service that I uh, that I offer, and some of our higher level contractors in our network you know, and, 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 and really respectable contractors have the ability to actually come out to your home, whether during the pond cleaning or at the sign of trouble, uh, catch a couple special, you know, catch a couple of your specimens and actually scrape the slime coat with a microscope slide and then take a look at them, uh, uh, under a microscope. And you, you may require up to 400 power with a good microscope. Uh, and you're looking for those parasites in general, uh, those are yeah. the things you're looking for generally in the scraping. So, you know, again, you're, you have nine parasites in koi. Uh, seven of them are microscopic. And usually the ones that afflict the fish the most, in my experience, are microscopic. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's a but handy any thing. Any competent and contractor should be able to do that service for you. Yeah. And if it really gets crazy, um, there's there's actually koi veterinarians uh, fish veterinarians. People may not know that. They always think of, you know, dog, cat, maybe horse, livestock. But there's actually, you know, trained doctors, veterinarians out there that that we can turn to as well um, if we, we need some further advice. Um, a lot of this stuff seems like it's really based on water quality, water conditions. So, and coming through the winter, you know, you're probably at one of the poorest water quality spots of the year. Um, what are, are there, are there water treatments that will be beneficial to fish this time of year? Uh, well, aside from, you know, uh, you know, the actual asymptomatic uh, treatments, um, you, you really want just to make sure that the detritus in the mom is under control in your pond, that you don't have a lot of, of debris, leaf matter, sticks, twigs, stuff like that. You know, you don't want decaying matter in your pond because that, that will absolutely be a harborage for, either poor water chemistry, uh, you know, being, you know, ammonia, the most important one, or it could be also a harborage for those parasites that we were describing a little earlier. Yeah. So you, you generally want to start off with good water quality. Um, highly, aerate, highly aerated water is recommended. Um, obviously, the biological op- oxygen demand this time of the year isn't so high, uh, a lot of you know a lot of people call me this time of the year. They want their ponds started up because they're seeing their fish active, especially with the crazy weather. Um, so uh, you know they they want their ponds started. They want to see that aeration going, and and it's understandable because you know that's the first thing we try to teach our clients is uh, you know have good aerated water for your fish. 
So uh, what yeah. happens is uh, if the, the pond needs to be clean, you know, to get off to a good start. That's what it basically boils down to. But the oxygen demand isn't so high when the water temperatures are low, especially when your fish aren't feeding. So it's not really a point of panic. Okay, cool. So, you know, a good cleaning, water change, doing your filters, all that stuff can really go a long way in helping to ensure, you know, a successful spring conditions for your fish. There's um, the cold water bacteria treatments that we could still be using um, earlier in the season. Yes. And I guess, you know, on that note, cold water, there's certain temperatures, there's certain like benchmark temperatures um, that we need to watch for during springtime. Can you, can you kind of mention a couple of those temperatures we should be aware of water temperatures? Uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we were talking about Aeromonas alley earlier. So the Aeromonas, tends to work between 42 and 62 Fahrenheit uh, water temperature. That's the most important thing, too, is a lot of folks, they, you know, they, they get a nice 70-degree day. They make the human assumption that that water temperature is the same, and it's not. Um, generally, the pond water, you know, being especially ponds in the, built into the ground, are well insulated by the earth, so they don't fluctuate as much as your mm-hmm. air temperature would. So generally, Aeromonas alice is uh, alley is 42 to 62 degrees. Um, I like to start feeding my fish uh, when our water temperature is consistently at or above 55 Fahrenheit. Um, and I like okay. to start my fish off with a with a high quality cold water formulation. So you don't want any proteins at that point. Um, you know, especially a fortified vitamin C. That's a stabilized vitamin C. It's a very important ingredient in fish food. Yep. And I think that's the, that's probably one of the best things to, to do in the beginning, especially if you're starting off with a fairly clean pond. Uh, and then once you get into, you know, the 60s, and I, I like to start switching over to protein foods in the, I would say, 65 or 66 degree range and get okay. them where, they're, where you're really starting to supercharge their immune system and they're actually eating um, a protein-based diet, which is generally a, a fish meal. What about like quantities, like when, you, when you're starting off? I know different times of the year, uh, fish, you know, their appetites are different. During the springtime, what are we looking at as far as typical quantity levels? Quantity, I would say uh, feed your fish the least amount possible based on your, your fish loading, especially, um, and your biological filter capability. But if you have a good ecosystem pond, especially rock, gravel, um, mechanical and biological filtration. Uh, I would, you know, I would say generally the rule of thumb, even in aquariums, I'm sure Mike, which you have a background in is what your fish will eat in about two to two to five minutes. I think would be right. safe to say. So, you okay. know, you really, the way I like to feed fish is just kind of throw a little bit in there, let them get interest, let them eat. You know, most people actually enjoy feeding their fish and what, you know, that's like the highlight of owning a pond. Uh, for a yeah. lot of folks, so so if you're if you're sitting there, you know, feeding your fish, don't throw a giant cup in there and just watch them eat. Throw a little <laughs> bit in there at a time, gain some interest, and and let the let the fish do their thing. And if if you feel like they're still hungry, put a little bit more in. If they, you yeah. know, if if you start seeing a little bit of excess and they're not eating, then you know you're done. Yeah, it's kind of like how I eat personally. You know, <laughs> big cup of food. Um, okay. So, you know, you mentioned a couple of things with um, like filters and everything. When is a good time 
uh, for people to, to maybe start their systems back up? Uh, I certainly, I certainly like cleaning ponds um, in the temperature range between air temperature. Now this is important uh, air temperature above freezing, which I usually like to start pond cleanings minimally above 35 degrees. And mm-hmm. I'd like to try to get them cleaned before the clients are feeding their fish. So we'd like to try to nip, you know, nip the system at the bud and get, get the system cleaned up and started uh, before the fish are actually uh, eating food. And, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's very important that you don't feed your fish. If your, your biological uh, system and mechanical system is not running. Uh, some people are very tempted before their pond cleaning, especially if you're having right. a professional come out and do it for you. Uh, folks will be tempted to feed their fish. And the problem is, is that without that biological action and, and the mechanical action that you don't, you're not scrubbing the pond down, you know, uh, where there's actually some bacteria that work in cold water, like we were talking about earlier. Um, so you start putting that food in the pond early, the fish are eating it. The problem is that they're creating waste products that your system can't co- uh, cope with, especially okay. ammonia, which is the, the which is the the biggest byproduct of fish digestion. Uh, it's not so much their poop; it's really actually what they excrete through their gills. Okay, right, all right. Um, so, I mean, for for I guess you know most people doing their their startup, check all of your equipment, make sure everything's running right, clean your filters. Yes, if you have diffusers. Maybe get those deeper into your pond. Maybe it's the time of year to to kind of do for aerators. You know, get those a little deeper. Yeah, aeration. I like to move down into the lower levels once we're stabilized in air temperature, because you can pump. You know, if you get a cold night, you can pump some cold air down there. Uh, right. But if you're if you're diligent, you know, as a client, like if I do your pond cleaning and we still have some nights that are cold, um, you can turn your aerator on and off at will. Uh, you know, run it during the daytime hours and then, you know, when it's warm and then it gets cold at night, unplug it. Yeah. And we actually have some really cool app control stuff coming out. So where you could actually control your devices from your phone now. Right. Which is really, really interesting stuff. It really is. It's great. You know, I mean, so, so many, um, so much technology is now coming into koi ponds and water gardens from uh, everything like what you're talking about controlling pumps and lighting and uh, temperature uh, thermometers and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really interesting. I love it. I love that all this, this technology is coming into play now. Yeah. All this stuff was born in, um, in, in, in big aquariums like, uh, uh, like the national aquarium in Baltimore, uh, Camden aquarium in our area. Uh, You know, all this high tech equipment was actually born from those places and, and somewhat researched and developed, I suppose. Uh, and it's now translating into the pond industry, which is uh, really exciting, especially uh, not only for me as an installer and a, and a contractor, but for our clients where they have the, the, the ability to just pick up their, their iPhone or their iPad or their laptop and, and take a look and control their pumps or lights. And it's, it's, really, it's really fun stuff. Yeah. It'll be really cool when they get like a very reliable camera, too, because as crazy as it sounds, you know, I, I have three cats. And we have a cat camera. <laughs> so when we're out of town, we can actually still, we can watch our cats. We can talk to our cats. We can even pop treats out. It's, it's pretty hilarious. And they respond to it very well. I don't wow. think fish would be any, any different, you know, if we could watch them on camera and, and 
you know, just have a truly automated system. I'm sure if we're, if we talk about it, it's going to be coming. So that's, that's, I I can tell you this, Mike, I I have a security camera um, around my home and one of them in particular actually faces my pond. And um, I actually had a blue heron visit this year, which is almost never happens here. Wow. Uh, But I actually saw my camera for a moment. Yeah, and it was uh, it was quite interesting until he realized the floating alligators were there and he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. We'll have to uh, cover some heron. And there is some water camera technology out there too. That's neat. Yeah, yeah, you know, hopefully that becomes very mainstream and really, really user friendly. What are some other um, yeah. tips for pond keeping for springtime fish care? What else do we have? It, it's- Springtime, I, I think the most important things are observe your fish, uh, you know, especially coming out of the winter months. That's when they're, I would say, it, 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 you know, a lot, most people treat their fish as pets. I mean, even some folks name their fish. Uh, I do have some names unofficially for my fish. Uh, <laughs> I, me as a, me as a, as a, as a koi guy and a pond guy, I'm kind of superstitious and I don't like naming fish, but Folks do, and that they are pets, just like a cat and dog would be. So, yeah, you know, look at their behavior, see what they're doing. Um, if you see somebody separating themselves and hiding, you know, away from the rest of the flock, there's something wrong with that fish. Um, if they're, you know, right. if they're rubbing against the rocks and they're, you know, swimming in a corkscrew manner and you know, rubbing against the bottom and stuff like that, um, that's another symptom. You know, that you need to, you need to be attuned to and then you know and then and then again you know aeration is very important um most of most of the ponds we build you know once they're running we have high levels of oxygenation because of our waterfalls Uh, but there is some there is some folks out there that don't have waterfalls they have formal settings uh so you want to make sure you're getting that aeration going but not pumping cold water into the pond too soon at the at the deepest levels Right. Um, next thing I would say is, is just you know follow the diet plan. You know, don't feed your fish below 55 degrees. I, I've seen labeling out there that says you can. I, you know, from a veterinarian friend of mine's advice, uh, he prefers that you just feed at 55 as a hobbyist. Yeah, you're pretty safe there. Yeah, you know, and I mean, then that's you know, the again, making been... sure your pond's clean. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we've been following that feeding regimen for, for years, and our fish do just just fine, you know? Absolutely. So, Your fish are not going to starve to, get, starve to death if they go an extra week or two or even three weeks a month, um, yeah. you know, with some heightened activity. They're, they're going to be just fine. Um, I, I, I like to use the term uh, fish are like snakes. Snakes can go months without food, um, right. even in an active setting. And um, and I and 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 snakes are cold blood, and so are so are koi and goldfish. Yeah. So I like yeah. I'd like to use I, I like to use that terminology that way, you know, as just a generality. That those fish can those fish went that long all winter long without food. They're going to be just fine for another week or two, especially if they're right. healthy and they're in a clean environment. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you well open thank up you. Yolks, open up more problems when you feed fish in cold water. So, right. Yeah. Stick, stick to the good routines. Thank you so much. Thank sure. you for coming onto the show, coming back, sharing your advice and expertise. And uh, can you tell everybody 
how they can get in touch with uh, you at New Jersey Pond Guys. Absolutely. So New Jersey Pond Guys is located in Jackson, New Jersey. Our website is njpondguys.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash njpondguys. We have a wealth of photos and videos on our Facebook page, and you can also contact contact us through our website, and there is actually a great form there. If your water feature needs service, you can actually snap a photo of your pond service form, and we can call you back and get right in touch with you and have an educated conversation about what your needs are. That's awesome. You guys rock. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for being on the show. I hope you have a great Mike, 2020 thank pond you. season. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And I will and catch you up with well, you soon. Sir. I pre- appreciate having me again. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. That was Chris Tallarico, everybody of New Jersey Pond Guys. Um, he's just a great guy. He's a wealth of information. He's been a professional for a long, long time now. So you got some springtime fish care ahead of you. I hope this information makes it a lot easier and helps you be a better fish keeper as well. So watch those temperatures during spring pretty closely. Uh, many of your tasks are going to be temperature dependent. Do that visual inspection, do your feedings, do your water treatments and get things started up. It's that time of year, baby. So have a great 2020 pond season. And thanks so much for spending some time with me here on the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast. I'm Mike Gannon. I'm happy to be here with you guys. And uh, my company is Full Service Aquatics. We're based out of Summit, New Jersey. We take on projects just about anywhere. Um, if you have a project you're considering, need some advice or want to say hello, give me a call. I got an easy phone number, 908-277-6000. And, um, my website is fullserviceaquatics.com. Get to know your local pond pros, people. They're great folks to have on your speed dial. If you're a pond keeper, get to know your local pond professionals, support your local pond professional. You can find more of the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast on YouTube. Check out my channel on YouTube, The Pond Hunter. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, all over the place. And again, my website is fullserviceaquatics.com. Love Your Pond is an easy name to remember. Be good to each other, everybody. And we will see you next time on the Koi Pond Water Garden Podcast. You have been listening to the Pond Hunter Radio Broadcast on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Mike Gannon, the Pond Hunter. In the pursuit of all things aquatic, broadcasting Wednesday nights on Blog Talk Radio, the Pond Hunter, keeping it pondy for the aquatically obsessed. Woohoo, aquatically obsessed. Later. <laughs>